welcome into another edition of Home Run Throwback. I am Jimmy Morris. Uh, this is a Broadway sports media podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at BroadwayTN. You can follow me on Twitter at JMorrisMCM. I am pleased tonight to be joined by Voice of the Titans, Mike Keith. Mike, thanks so much for doing this. How are you doing tonight? Jimmy Morris, it is good to be with you. I'm doing quite well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Always good to have you on. So we got a few things to talk about here. Uh, kind of an exciting season, obviously, to this point. Um, so we'll get into a few of those things. Before we do that, just remind you, broadwaysportsmedia.com is the website. Check that out. A lot of good stuff going on there. Uh, still a lot of recap of the Texans game last week and then previews going on as well for the Steelers game coming up this Sunday. Um, and then we remind you, Home Run Throwback is the name of the podcast. You can search that wherever you get your podcasts um, and, and subscribe there. You'll get all these episodes and the daily podcast that I do, Titans in 10. And then Mike Keith always has the official Titans podcast as well. Y'all are still rolling those out, right? D-O-T-P. Uh, generally doing those every Friday, trying to kind of get everybody ready for the ball game after the injury reports have come out and those sorts of things. It, uh, I, I'd like to do more of them. Uh, that would be Amy Wells and I would would love to be doing something on a more frequent basis. The issue we have right now is just the you know with everything going on and not being able to get in our building and to get to our equipment and um, you know we're we're not in the facility right now. We're we're doing a lot of things out of the stadium, and that requires people to be at the studio in the stadium. Well, they're not always there, you know, because people don't work there every single day. And so we're just we're missing being in St. Thomas Sports Park and being in our studio. I'd, I'd love to be doing it three days a week. And I know Amy would, too. And we're just not able to do it right now. That's one of my great disappointments about what's going on right now. But, yeah, the OTP is out maybe not as much as we want, but it is out once a week. And, and I think it's a. Especially when Coach Mack and Jim White are on, I think it's pretty entertaining to listen. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember, I guess it was, it's was it been a year ago now when y'all were doing it like daily during training camp. Uh, yeah, we did daily during training camp, and we did daily leading up to the 2019 draft. We did video once, and the response was really enormous. And we were really pleased with where that thing was going. And I, I think you're going to see us do a lot more of that from the ball club and try to utilize more resources. But, you know, like I said, right now, the limitations on, you know, access to the building and to our equipment. I mean, we can't go to our offices and that's and that's a pain, but it's really a pain not being able to go into our studio. And that's that's the hard part, because the studio is the nerve center of everything we have and everything we do. And you know, for obvious reasons, we can't go in there right now. Yeah, and so I didn't realize that. So is there, there's no media at all at St. Thomas Sports Park right now? Just to go to practice. Okay. Just to go to practice, and you, uh, you know, there are limited media periods that, that we have, and and then uh, I'm staff, so I'm a little allowed a little more leeway. Amy's staff, we're, we're allowed a little more leeway uh, than just media, but in terms of anything else, like if there is a practice in the bubble, we can't go because the bubble is a restricted area. Uh, anywhere in our building that is restricted, which is essentially the whole building right now after what happened, we, we can't access it. So that's, 
you know, that's made it a little bit tough and a little bit challenging. For example, today, you know, we were shooting uh, one-on-one interviews for our Titans All Access TV program, the feature known as the Nissan Insider. And so I had to leave practice, go to the stadium, to the studio in the stadium and tape it there. And they were getting ready for Titans Blitz, which is a Wednesday night show. And so there's staff there getting ready for that and and really doing yeoman's work, helping us out, getting those things in place. But everything's just a little more complicated now. And I'm sure all the people listening to Home Run Throwback know the same thing in their own job. You know, everything is just a little more complicated right now. And you've got to ask for a little more assistance and get a little more leeway and you know, you hope it's going smoothly. I think the the Sunday broadcasts are going pretty smoothly uh, after we've sort of figured out how to do that, um, particularly on the road. And when we go back on the road next month, I think we've got a pretty good plan because it's a little complicated. But some things are a little more difficult than others. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. The, uh, the radio broadcast doesn't seem to be suffering much. Uh, I mean, everything still sounds good there, yeah, but it, it just seems like everything else is more complicated. I know, like, I remember Jonathan Hutton talking about, I guess, was it Denver that he couldn't go to the game? So it, Wasn't allowed. Kinda, yeah, based yeah. on local restrictions and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we couldn't, and we could not have everybody in the booth. Amy Wells is in the moat area, so she's still, quote-unquote, the sideline reporter. And what they're calling the moat is the area that they have tarped off the eight rows they have tarped off between row one and row eight to keep people back away from the sidelines. So she is allowed in the mode area that is known as the operational zone. So she can do that. And then it varies with different municipalities as far as what they're letting us do in the booth. And in some cases we can get a press box seat and then we can rotate in staff. So Rep. Brian can rotate in at certain points, and Jonathan Hutton can rotate in at certain points, and then, um, you know, that's that's how we're having to do it. Look good for Cincinnati. Excited about that. That's a huge booth, and so they, I think they feel pretty good that we can socially distance there and that there's not going to be any issue. But, I mean, it, Jimmy, it's going to be a game-to-game thing. It, you know, what's Baltimore going to look like on November 22nd? We don't know. And that's why we haven't made any plans. I mean, we are, as I understand it, and if I'm wrong, I apologize, but there are seven teams that are traveling radio. And one group that had planned to travel, their producer and uh, their engineer both got COVID, and so they said, forget it, we're not – we're not going to try. We're just going to broadcast the games off an all 22 feet at home. And I don't blame them. You know, I'm not being judgmental or trying to sound like we're, you know, out of a Chuck Norris movie and we're tougher than everybody. We're not. We're, we're trying to do this because with our group is, is healthy. You know, we're a healthy group of people. And so it kind of gives us the, the chance and the team is willing to foot the bill to send us commercially, which is more expensive than taking us on the team plane, obviously. And we're, you know, we're trying to do it. Uh, one of my best friends said, so you're going to go to all of them. And I said, I don't know that. You know, I, I don't I don't know that we will go to all of them. We hope to. 
but it it's literally going to be week by week, game by game. We're going to go to Cincinnati, so we're fired up about that, and then we'll see what comes next. So you're saying there's only seven teams in the league that the radio group is traveling with the team? It's my understanding. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't realize it that. Was, it was eight, and that one team now has dropped off because they have had COVID in their immediate group of guys. Um so, yeah, we're, we're traveling, you know, seven people, Dave McGinnis, myself, Rhett Bryant, Brad Willis, Jonathan Hutton, Philip Noel, and Amy Wells. Oh, that's interesting. Um, all right, so let's talk about, you know, the, the COVID outbreak that the Titans had um, and, and kind of how that was for you. I mean, the rest of us, you know, we were waking up every morning and, you know, just hitting re- refresh on our Twitter feeds uh, to find out if, if there were more positive tests and kind of following along with, um, you know, what the league was thinking and then, you know, games rescheduling and all that kind of stuff. Was it a similar deal for you? Yeah, it's a hundred percent, a similar deal. And that's been one of the stranger parts of this year, Jimmy, is that because I'm tier three and I'm away, um, I don't have any contact directly with the people that I would usually see on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, usually if I had a question about a player, how he pronounces his name or why Steven Gaskowski is not wearing a sock when he kicks or, you know, I just walk into the locker room after practice, introduce myself and say, hey, could you give me a little background here? And I could walk down the hall and see John Robinson and say, hey, um, you know, stick my head in the door and say, hey, I've got one question or ask Ben Marino a question about salary cap. I can't do any of that. You know, now I can pick up the phone and call them, but they're busy. And so knowing that all this was going on the way that it was, I was getting 90% of my information from, you know, just media and and just waiting to see kind of what happened next. It was stunning the day that it all went down because we taped the Vrabel TV show on Monday nights. So we do the Vrabel radio show, and the minute the Vrabel radio show ends, we tape his TV show. And so what that helps Mike with is then he only has to block off about an hour, hour 15 to do both things. And that helps him in his prep because the – the group can get together without him for a period of time, the staff that is, and they can do some things and then they have some things ready for him when he's finished with radio and TV. So we, we did the radio, we did the TV, we've just beaten Minnesota life's happy. Uh, Titans radio did the video of Amy Wells as Mary Tyler Moore. And that thing blew up all over the place and everybody's happy. And we're, you know, we're having fun and, and all this stuff. So I'm on the phone with Brad Willis, and we're, I'm driving into work on Tuesday, and I stop at Dunkin' Donuts, and I'm getting my coffee, and I'm literally pulling out of Dunkin' Donuts on Carruthers in Franklin, and my phone blows up, and I'm like, "What? What is this?" And so um, <laughs> I pull in the Twice Daily, which is literally right next door, and I've got. A text from John Robinson that says, I can't do Titans All Access this morning. And then I'm getting texts and emails about everything that has gone on with us. And so I called Amy, or I called Ashley Farrell, who produces our our TV shows, and I said, 
do I even come into the building? She says, no. She said, they are literally running us out right now. That was the day everything had hit. And so when all that went down, I called Amy and I said, I asked Ashley, I said, do you want me to call Amy? She said, please call her because I've got to leave. And so I called her and she was dealing with a, another situation. And so she wasn't aware of it. So she's like, you've got to be kidding me. And I mean, the whole thing was just surreal. And, you know, we, we went to bed on Wednesday, all of us who worked for the team thinking we were going to play the Steelers on Monday night. We thought that's what's going to happen. We're going to play the Steelers on Monday night. And, um, then, you know, by Thursday, it, the game's off and the whole world is changing at that point. <laughs> yeah, it, that was crazy. Um, I, I guess, and then was there, I mean, you said you're not in the building, so you may not have as much access as you, as you normally would. But, you know, then there was the whole NFL investigation and, you know, things floating around out there about penalties and all of that kind of stuff. Did you have any sense as, you know, as that was kind of developing on what the – what the potential violations were that they were looking into. Did, did you have any, any type of insight into that? It didn't make any sense to me, Jimmy, for, for this reason. So, you know, Steve Underwood, you know who he is, the president and CEO of the team for a long time who just retired. Yep. He, the, the most by the book human being you've ever met in your life. The guy who replaces him, Burke Nihill, is just as by the book, if not more. And Burke is also Burke's a lawyer, and Burke is also a guy who cares about people very much. He cares about health and safety. He is he is very outward looking towards the employees as people, and and that and that being the players and the coaches as well. So the whole thing that we, you know that that we did something wrong in all of this because what here's what I did know. I did know the team of people that they put together um, to, to run all of the COVID stuff. Every team has a group of people who are essentially your COVID council. Okay. It's like six people. It's your train. It's somebody from your training staff and, you know, there, there are all these discussions because the league has put out massive numbers of protocols, and you've got to have a group of people to interpret and implement all of that. John's implemented it. Mike Vrabel's implemented it. They've done all of these things. So none of the thing made any sense to me ever that we would be deserving of any sort of punishment, understanding Burt Nihill who's on our committee, if you will, and just how we were going to go about this, how we did go about this. Uh, one of the people involved in all of it has been one of my best friends for 22 years. We've worked together and, you know, I trust my children with him. And and he he's just one of these people that he's going to do it the right way and, and Burke's going to do it the right way. So, it, it just never, none of that ever made any sense. You know what we're guilty of? We're guilty of bad luck. That's what we were guilty of. Because as Dr. Alan Sills later came out and said, this could have happened to anybody. And when, when you're in a situation like ours, like the NFLs, where you choose not to handle it in a bubble, 
and we can't. I mean, the season's too long. It's too many people. Maybe in the playoffs, but it, now it doesn't make any sense. If you're going home to your wife and kids who are going to school, if you're around your parents, if you're seeing people in your neighborhood, which is what happens when you go home, then there are things that are simply out of your control. And that's what we ran into. I, listen, I'm sure there are things we could do better. I'm sure every team probably has learned some things from our situation about doing better. But in terms of some sort of draconian punishment, Jimmy, that never made any sense. Why would you do that? Because, listen, this isn't going to be the last time the league goes through this this year. You know? Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's just not. Yeah, and I, I thought John Robinson, whenever his you know press conference Zoom deal was, if it, I can't remember if it was the Monday before the Buffalo game or the, the day of, um, I, I thought he was really good, and just you know, you got to see kind of the the human element of all of that, right? Because John sure. Robinson talking about how much he cares about this football team, how much he cares, you know, his family with his daughter, and, and all the things well, that they have there. I just thought that was really good as far as helping people that were on the outside and wanted to, you know, throw stones. It, it, I, I thought it was a good representation of you know what they're trying to be about. And like you said, I mean, this was this was bound to happen to somebody. We saw it happen in baseball. Sure. Anywhere there's not a bubble. Um, and like you said, it's just bad luck that, that it ha- actually happened to the Titans. That's right. I, I mean, we, we didn't host a rock concert and have the whole team and all the coaches there, you know? We, I mean, we did, that's, not, that's not what happened. And I think part of it, too, and Dr. Sills did a good job of getting this across again after the fact, is I think overall the testing thing gives everybody in the NFL a little bit of a false, false sense of yes. security. Because, you know, you can test negative for multiple days and then boom. You know, and, and you don't really know how long you've been in that situation before you test positive. Uh, because the gestation period with this thing is is multiple days. And so I think everybody assuming that, and I'm not talking about the Titans, I'm talking about everybody in the league. Everybody assuming, well, we've all tested negative, so every everything's okay. That, you know, that isn't the answer. What Dr. Sills has come out and said that I think has resonated with people around the league is that you have to assume that every person that approaches you is COVID-19 positive. So you've got to socially distance, you've got to wear a mask, you've got to wash your hands, You've got to do all these things over and over and over again. You know, what What we're finding, too, is, I mean, there there's not a lot of evidence at this point that the playing of the football is contributing to COVID transmission. You know, it's more about eating together, you know, being in meetings, being on a plane, things of that sort that seemed to be the case. And and I think the I think the league took a long step back and said, hey, wait a minute. These guys have been cooperative. They've been helpful. They've provided us with good insight. Their oversight has been excellent. I said at the time, I, I and I, and I believed it, even when, you know, the thing came out that everybody was going to be suspended and we were going to lose <laughs> a first round pick and ten million dollars. I said 
I've never been prouder to be part of this organization and the people that I work with, the people that I work for and the people that I work with. I meant it, I meant it then, and I mean it now. Because I have, I have felt safe in every situation that I have been in. Understanding, Jimmy, there's risk. You know, there, there, if you leave your house, there's risk. But are we being safe? Are we doing smart things? Are we handling it the right way? Are we being concerned for one another? Are we looking out for one another? And I think our organization is doing that. And and I'm talking about the non-football people. So I know what's happening with the football people, especially because, and, and you talked about John talking. John making the point about his daughter. You know, his daughter is high risk. And for, for the autoimmune things that she faces. So you don't think John Robinson has a pretty good idea of, of what he needs to be doing. You don't think he's read about this. You, this is his daughter, you know? Yeah. Um, trust me, John Robinson knows how this works and he, he's not going to do anything to put anybody in harm's way. Long yeah. answer. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. I, it's a good point. And like you said, I, I think it was a good, and again, it, it, it sucks that it had to be the Titans that, that kind of gave this to the NFL as far as all this information. But like you said, I think people didn't understand. I didn't understand that you, you can test negative on multiple days. Sure, and have it. You, you know, I mean, I think that was a good thing. And and then the other point that you made there about the transmission, the fact that nobody from the Vikings ever tested positive, at least you know to this point from that game when the Titans, right. it was obviously you know going through the Titans at that point. I think that was a good at least lesson for the NFL to understand how it's transmitted and all that stuff. And so, like I said, you hate that it had to be the Titans that were the ones that, that kind of gave these these data points to the NFL. But I think everybody learned a lot from that. And I think it's going to help the league as a whole going forward as far as understanding, you know, what happens when people test positive and all that stuff. And, and we've seen other teams with multiple positive tests and that stuff. And you've seen, you know, really since the Titans outbreak happened, we've seen, you know, multiple teams that have, put people on the COVID list just because they've been close to someone that had it right. when they don't even test positive. So like I said, it, it really does suck that it had to be the Titans that, that kind of went through that and the national, you know, kind of outrage that came from that. But I think ultimately it's going to be good for everybody in kind of understanding how to handle this going forward. Well, that's it. And, and the whole thing about it being us, there was just this sense that nobody, you know, I mean, this feeling that nobody's wearing a mask and nobody's doing this and, and that I'm telling you, I saw practice. That's just, it's just not true. It's just not true. It's just not what happened. You know, it, it's it's just not how it all went down. There, it this was not a lot of people flaunting the rules and doing a lot of things. Right? Like I said, nobody's going to contend that anybody was perfect. Okay. And I'm sure they found areas where we could do better. John Robinson has said the whole thing about we we've had to improve mask wearing, the same way you're talking about. We got to improve tackling. We got to improve blocking. We got yeah. I mean, we, we they, they didn't do as good a job with that as what they wanted to, and they've really worked hard to implement that because you know if you let down for just a second, and how many of us have run in to pick up food somewhere and gone, oh no, I forgot my mask. Yeah. You know, just, and it, 
And so you either put your sleeve over your nose or you run back to the car or whatever. You know, I, I think as long as people are giving it their all, that's all you can ask. And I, I think what they found is that the Titans were giving an awfully good effort. I, I you know, from what they've said and from, from how it certainly feels, we'll see what, you know, what the end result is. But I, I don't think the the crazy stuff that was out there just it just didn't make any sense yeah absolutely all right it was too easy yeah nothing against more 2020 than us being you know 20 plus minutes into this um and having a five and no football team and not talking about any not talking about football yet so we will we will transition into that um this team is different than any titans team we've seen i mean we we saw this kind of at the end of the year last year but, you know, I mean, you've always been here from the beginning. I've lived in Nashville my whole life. We've seen a lot of good Titans teams. We've seen some bad ones too. But we've seen good Titans teams. But the majority of those teams have been based around a defense that has been really good. That, that's yeah. been the strength of this team. And, you know, the offense it has been good at points. But it was pretty much never the, the strength of the team in years where they were really a contender. And so now you've got a team that is – continuing the just the efficiency on offense that we saw at the end of the year last year that a lot of people thought there was no way you know Ryan Tannehill could could continue that Derrick Henry could continue what what he was doing you know down the stretch last year and, and they've been able to keep doing it so talk about I mean look at this game this past Sunday against the Texans you know you're down a touchdown you know at, at the end of the game there and I mean I don't know about you but I mean I'm sitting there and there would have been times in the past where, I mean, I wouldn't turn the game off, but you're basically like, okay, this game's over. There's no way they're coming back. But as they're sitting there, as we're sitting there and they get the ball back, you just feel like this team is, once Ryan Tannehill gets the ball, they're going to march down the field. They're going to score. And we saw them do it at the end of regulation. We saw them do it in overtime. Um, I don't know. Talk about this offense and what you're seeing. And, you know, we, we all, we look back to, Steve McNair's co-MVP year in 2003. That was the last time that we had, we had an offense that was that was really comparable to this. Um, what, what's it like to watch a team where you, you really feel like they're never out of it? It's more fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, just truthfully, uh, I have a friend that I go to church with. His name is Andy Garrison. And Andy was texting me tonight, and he says, which Titans team do you compare this one to? And I said, none. We haven't seen a team like this. Maybe the second half of last year's team. But I still say the 2003 team, if Steve McNair does not suffer a cracked bone spur in his ankle, we win the Super Bowl. It's the best best team the Titans have had. Better than 99, better than 2000, better than 2002, better than 2008. That was the best team, period. But when McNair got hurt, that changed the whole season. We were never quite the same after that. This team with its offensive firepower is, wow. I mean, so much fun to watch. And the the quarterback play of Steve McNair in 2003 was something awfully special. And that was really through 11 games, you know, realistically. Um, to see what Ryan Tannehill is doing is so much fun to see what Derrick Henry's doing because 2003 Eddie George was end of the line Eddie George. 
This is Derrick Henry at his peak. Um, Derrick Mason was a great receiver. I think A.J. Brown may end up being comparable. Uh, the other guys were good, too, but I don't know if they were as good as Adam Humphreys and Corey Davis. And Frank Wycheck was at the end of the line as well. Um, that was more about Aaron Kenny. Jonu Smith is certainly not at the end of the line. I mean, he's something else. And Ferks are showing the way he did the other day. I, I was so not surprised by Ferkser's performance. I think this is a pretty special group, and it is so much fun to watch. I've, I've watched him rep the down needing a touchdown in the last two minutes with one timeout thing a lot in practice, and they do it so well in practice, Jimmy. I wasn't surprised they did it the way they did it. I mean, if you watch the clock management of all of it, that was beautiful. I mean, that was absolutely beautiful how they did that. Yeah, and there were a couple times on that the final driving regulation where I was 100% sure that they were going to come to the line and spike it. And they just, I mean, kept the, kept the foot on the gas pedal, kept going. Mm-hmm. Were you surprised to see that? Because, I mean, like just conventional wisdom. You're like, okay, get here, clock it, get in the huddle. Get, and they just they, they kept the pressure on. And I, I just, I've never, I don't think I've ever really seen a drive like that where there was no, they were, they were just going. They, they were going to go and score. That's because you have a quarterback who runs the offense. That's where you you really illustrate something well there with what you say, because conventional wisdom would have been clock it two or three times. But Ryan is running Arthur's offense. They're working together on this. And, you know, it's a, it's a whole staff of people. You know, Tony Dews, was spending time last Friday working with Derrick Henry on catching the ball while he was running away from the backfield, while he was running toward the other goal, just like on the 53-yard pass in overtime. Uh, Mike Sullivan and Keith Carter with the offensive line, Todd Downing with the tight ends, Rob Moore with the receivers, um, Pat O'Hara with the the quarterbacks. I mean, it's really a good staff, and they – they know what they want to do, and he has a lot of freedom because he's a veteran. He's smart. He he, you know, he's just so detail oriented. He's running. You know, he he is running the offense in a way that we haven't seen. I think probably since Matt Hasselbeck was running our offense in 2011. Yeah, and, and Derrick Henry. I mean, for all the obviously, the, you know, the rushing is. You know, he's the – I mean, it's unbelievable to watch what he can do. And to have a guy that is – I heard somebody say he's as dangerous, you know, inside the Titans' 10 as he is inside the opposing team's 10. And we saw another one of those carries this week where you give him a crease and he's gone. I mean, it's, it's right. something else to see. But, you know, for to see his fire on the sideline and, and to, the fact that he wants to be in there, he wants to be the three-down guy, he wants them to throw him the ball, that's obviously something that he's spent time working on. And, I mean, I think, I think he, we haven't even seen the ceiling of his game because if they can get him a little bit more involved in the passing game, I think there's, a, there's another level we can see from him. Well, think about this, Jimmy. Two years ago at this time, he wasn't the starter. That's crazy. I mean, he wasn't the starter. They put David Flewellen in the New England game two years ago because he he just wasn't getting 
the, the run system they put in place. But what did he do? Kept working. It was important to him. Ran scout team. Did everything he could. And then when he got it, I mean, when the light went on, man, did the light go on. But that's what makes me so proud of him is he could have done what a lot of big stars feel like they do and said, eh, you know, I've, I'm a Heisman Trophy winner. I'll, I can make endorsements forever. I, you, you're treating me wrong. You're not using me right. Trade me to another team. And that he did the opposite. He he just said he said I'm not good enough right now. I've got to keep working. Just like what he was doing in practice last Friday with Tony Dews, the exact same thing. You know, Vrabel was talking about that on the post game on on Sunday. Just discussing how these things he loves it when things that they work on become important parts in the game because then guys go back to practice and say hey give me more you know there's a credibility there in terms of what the teaching is but the guy's a pro Derrick Henry's a pro it's important to him you get the idea he'd go out and play even if they didn't play for money because that's just that's who he is yeah, it's been so fun to watch him, and it's been fun to watch, you know, the growth of Mike Vrabel as a head coach, and obviously all the talk this week about the penalty that they took, the, the too many men on the field thing, and, you know, he's not going to admit that he did it on purpose, but we've seen him do it before. He did it against the Jets before, and just, you know, there were some things early on when he took over that, you know, just that it, it looked like maybe he was in a little bit over his head. There were just some clock management things and with the kicking game and all that kind of stuff that, you know, you could be critical of him for. But I think as we see here right now, I mean, obviously there's, there's a lot of season left to play, but he's got to be the front runner for coach of the year. Just when you see what this team was able to do in that Buffalo game, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute, but talk about what you've seen in his growth and just his – his understanding of the entire game is what really blows me away. He's done a good job with that pretty much from the start in terms of understanding that the head coach has to be responsible for all of that. When I sat down with him for the first time, it was obvious to me that he got what a head coach is supposed to do. He's not, you know, it's really, you're really the head coach. You're not the head football coach. And what I mean by that is you're working with the staff. You're, you're managing practice times. You're, you're doing flight arrangements in terms of your timing. You're, you're hiring coaches. You're running meetings. You're, you're doing things of that sort. You are a football coach. And you can coach football, uh, you know, like he works with the defense specifically. A lot of head coaches work with the offense specifically. I get that. But so many people, they think they're, they think when they become the head coach, they become the lead football coach. And they really don't. There are some great head coaches in this world who are not necessarily the best football coaches that ever lived. But they're great managers of people, and they they understand the CEO part of the job, and they really grow into that even more. Vrabel has improved. He's learned things. He 
He doesn't make the same mistakes twice. He's very hard on himself, very hard on himself. Um, he's into analytics to a certain degree, but he also goes gut. I mean, like, for example, we score with four seconds to go. We have to live through a review, and there was no doubt in his mind that kicking the point was the right thing. And and the reason was, very simply, it had been so hard to do what the Titans had just done, they didn't want to try something else really hard right there. They were going to roll the dice and go back to it. And I, I think that's a smart move. That's a gut move based on where you are in the game, based on the circumstances of the situation. The context of the moment was you just kick the point and keep playing because you're the one that's done the hard thing there. You've scored a touchdown with four seconds to go, and you've survived review, which, you know, had they called A.J. Brown out, I think they would have held with that call too. It was that close. I think he touched the foot, but I don't know. The Titans were fortunate they called it that way. So, yeah, I, Vrabel blows me away. I, I mean, he really does. I knew he would be good at this when I first sat down with him just based on his feel for all of it. And that was something But you know, I mean, he he's had things he wanted back at times. I mean, there's no doubt. Yeah, and I think you make a really good point there that, you know, to me it's such an oversimplification of is this guy an analytics guy or is he not? Is he a gut guy or is he not? You need a guy that has a mix of both. And I, I think sure. sometimes they it's it's oversimplified. Well, the numbers say this, so you got to do this. And, you know, I don't know if you've seen the TV broadcast, but, you know, Rich Gannon was just appalled that the Texans went for two um, well, after they scored. Were you in the building? No, I was watching on TV. Okay. In the building, so Brad Willis said that to me during the two-minute warning. He goes, does he go for two here when they if they score? And I said, oh, no. You know, I immediately went to the, oh, no, you don't go. You kick the point. And then I thought about it, and I thought, you know, they will have driven 70, 69 yards. Our defense has been on the field for seven minutes. Their offense can win the game right here. And and it ain't going to be their defense that wins this game. Let's face it. Their, their defense didn't do it outside of basically two plays. They, they've got a chance to let Deshaun Watson win the game. In the, in the building, as I thought about it, I looked back at Brad, I thought, you know, I think you're right. And when they scored, I look at our defense. They got their hands on their knees. They're down. They're tired. You know, the, the whole thing. Yeah, I think it's smart. I think it was a smart move. Now, it didn't work, but it almost did. If Big Jeff doesn't touch that ball... Houston's two and four, and we're talking about a four and one Titans team. I, I think in the moment, it was the right decision. The same way in the moment, it was the right decision to kick the point on the Titans end. Well, let's talk about Jeffrey Simmons because that's a guy that you know. Obviously, when he was when he was drafted, we had to wait him coming off the ACL, and, and you know, just fortunate for the Titans that that had happened, and and the, he fell to them where he did. And we saw, you know, flashes of it last year, but he wasn't 100%. But he is a guy that just has a knack for coming up big in the big moment. We've seen it multiple times this year. Mm -hmm. And like you said, if he doesn't get his hand on that on that pass, we're absolutely talking about a 4-1 team. But talk about what you've seen from him and just 
I mean, it seems like we're we're still not to the ceiling on him, and you know he has a chance to go down as one of the greats all time with this franchise. I think he does. I mean, he's he has abilities that you know, and I'm knocking on wood here because you're you're hoping that everything stays together health wise and and that he has good fortune in that regard, just like you hope every player does, but. This is a guy, Jimmy, that, I, I mean, he's he's got that natural strength. He has quickness and speed for a man his size, which does it two different things. And you usually have one or the other when you're big like that. You're usually fast or you're quick. He's both. Uh, you know what else, too? He's kind of mean. I mean, he, he's just... <laughs> He's kind of he he likes to hit those offensive linemen hard. He he likes to knock a guy backwards. He enjoys that part of it. It, it doesn't bother him when other people do well, but he he wants to get to the quarterback in his own right. You know he he doesn't want to be just a guy who takes up space. He's another one like Derrick Henry. He wants to be great. I love that kid. I I just. From the time I met him, I've just been crazy about him because there's a humility and a sincerity about him. Um, I knew the Titans were going to take him right there. I just felt it based on, you know, what I was hearing and what I was seeing when we were still in the building together before the, the 2019 draft. And I also caught John Robinson watching him. We were getting ready to start a production meeting, and he was watching tape of Mississippi State in November of 2018. And he said, who do you think I'm watching here? And about that time, uh, that grizzly bear went running through there and ransacked Alabama. When, when Alabama couldn't block him, that's when you knew he was really good. Yeah, it's it's been really fun to watch, and like you said, just another guy that that loves football and would play it no matter what. It, it, they've got mm-hmm. a lot of these, these guys on that team, and that's obviously something that they value. All right, circling, circling back to the Buffalo game, um, you know there was a lot of talk about you know what the Titans would be in that game, having only practiced what two or three times in two weeks there, um, and you know I didn't know what to expect. I mean, you just you just don't know with everything that had gone on. I think that obviously they did a good job of you know kind of the us against the world mentality, and it was just amazing to see them when that game started. And as you, I mean, obviously as you watched it throughout, they didn't look like the team that hadn't been able to practice for two weeks. And so, I mean, that's a that's a testament to everybody in that building, Mike Vrabel especially. But were you at all surprised just in the way that that game went? Because I mean, they they dominated that from beginning to end. And everything was kind of stacked against them being able to do that. Yeah, I was surprised. I was really surprised. I, I thought I thought the stars would have to align for them to win, and for them to win convincingly the way they did was, you know, was just amazing. I think they're going to need some similar things in terms of how the game unfolds <coughs> to beat Pittsburgh on Sunday, because I think Pittsburgh's you know, really tough in the, in a lot of the same ways Buffalo is. Um, but yeah, I was, I, I didn't expect that. I thought they would win the ball game. I, I thought they were motivated. I, I thought they were excited. I, I worried that they would run out of gas in the fourth quarter. And it was funny, Jimmy, because when you saw them on the practice field last Thursday, two days after the game, 
they looked like I thought they would look having just played a game after not doing anything contact-wise for 16 days. To say it was a slow practice would be an understatement because they're beat up. You know, they're, they're not only just two days off a game, so the practice week is is sped up for, you know, for Houston, but they're also coming off a situation where they're not in the rhythm of contact. And that's the that's the thing you get into in a season is, you know, you whether you're playing on a Friday night as a high school player or Saturday as a college player or Sunday as a pro player, by the time you get into October, your body knows how it's going to bounce back, you know. By Monday you feel this way and Tuesday you feel this way and by Wednesday you're ready to do this or whatever. And last Thursday, they're like, oh, my goodness, you know. I mean, it was just like the whole team was sore. I mean, you could just you could just see that, I mean, everybody's just, oh. And um, so I thought it would be hard to get back up for Houston physically because, you know, the emotion and the excitement and all of that only carries you for so long. And, you know, it felt like we we might have seen some of that in that third quarter, and yet they found a way to muster the win in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and so obviously this week the the big news has been the loss of Taylor Lewan, and yeah. you know we know what that means from an on the field standpoint. Just you know how good he is, and, and trying to replace that is obviously a tall task. I, I think there's a there's a leadership thing that we've seen him develop as he's been here, and they're going to miss that as well. How do you think this offensive line looks? without him out there you can't replace him i mean somebody will go in the spot but he's the best left tackle in football he's the best he's a great pass blocker he's a great run blocker he gets out in front of people in certain situations you know there are plays where he hits two different guys because he's so athletic he's so long that I mean, just running around him takes enough time for Tannehill to get the ball out. And people don't just run around him. I mean, he's really a good football player. And one of our five best football players, period, regardless of position, in my opinion. Also, a guy that means a lot to a lot of people on the team. He is a friend to a lot of different people um, the, the defensive guys like him. Defensive guys don't like every offensive lineman on a team. They may be on the same team, but they don't always, they're not always pals. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, they, they really like him. And he pulls for the defense. He pulls for the other guys on offense. He pulls for the special teams guys. Um, he, he's a lot of energy in a positive way. Now, listen, I mean, he's goofy. You, you know Taylor. I, uh, you know, I did a radio show with him in 2015. I've known him since the day he got here. I mean, Taylor's Taylor, but there's a part of him that that the public doesn't get, in my opinion, in terms of his importance, the enthusiasm, and the the friendship is probably the wrong word. Just the camaraderie that he adds throughout the ball club. I mean, it's going to be hard not to have him in that way. It's it's not as important as what he does at left tackle. He's really good. Really, really good. 
if you if you put a tape on and you watch him, even if you're not a scout or a quote unquote football guy, you can see that he's a really good player. So, you know, that they're they're gonna have to get creative to to figure out how they're gonna handle his loss. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see. And I mean, I, I think we all have confidence that they will scheme up as much as they can. But like you mm-hmm. said, there's just that the the athleticism and just the elite level of play that he brings that you just you can't replace. But you hope that the you know you kind of the, the sum of the parts can can get them there. Um, it's shifting to the defense. I mean, that's obviously the the biggest question mark that we have left on this team. The offense is, is proven that they are they're really good. They picked up where they left off last year. You, you don't have a lot of questions there. Defensively, they still hit their stride. Now, you know, you, you had guys that got here late and were working the w- their way in. Adore Jackson, you, you know, hopefully will be back this week, but at least in the next couple of weeks, with them designated him to return today. What do you think? Where can this defense improve realistically with what they have to be better than they have been through the first five games? Adoree's a big factor in that, Jimmy, because if you put Adoree in the mix with what they have, then all of a sudden everybody else gets so much better. You know, then then obviously it helps Malcolm Butler. You can use Jonathan Joseph in different ways. And, and sort of take advantage of his wisdom and his versatility, uh, take some pressure off Fulton. The safeties obviously get some different some different things that um, they're able to do because what a Dory can do is, I mean, he can shut a guy down. You know, it's, it's like Dave McGinnis was saying the other day, when Fuller was running wild like he is, that's where you miss a Dory Jackson. That, you know, that speed corner you really miss in that situation. So hopefully he's on the way back sooner rather than later. I think we've really missed him. Um, overall, too, I mean, you got to get the outside linebackers going a little bit more. But I think some of that has to do with uh, guys sort of getting into the mix and everybody figuring everybody out a little bit in different ways to use them, being able to utilize the the personnel a little bit better and be a little bit more consistent. Um, the defense, strangely it may sound, but the defense is really why I'm excited about this team because I think they have the ability to take massive steps, and that's what gets you excited. I mean, how many teams do you see in the course of an early part of an NFL season and they're off to a good start and you say, that's about as good as that team can be? Well, Jimmy, what happens if this defense starts playing to just a a solid level on third down and in the red zone? Just a good solid level. I, I mean, not that, they don't have to be lights out. They don't have to hold everybody to 2.6 points. I'm just talking about solid. Just get the ball back for the offense. I, I mean, I think they can do that. I think the parts are there. I think I, I think we knew it was going to take some time without Dean Pease and without Jarrell Casey and without Logan Ryan and without Wesley Woodyard and, you know, just some of the changes. And I mean, this was not the year to not have OTAs and minicamps and – you know, a true training camp. This, 
it would have helped the Titans a lot. Fortunately, they had a mature offense that could just, you know, pick back up like they just finished the game at Kansas City in January, which is essentially what they've done. Defensively, it was a bigger deal. And I, and I think that it's still evolving. And I think I think that's exciting. I really do, because I think that shows the top end of where this team can be. All right, last thing before we let you get out of here. Um, you, we're five games in. A lot of football has to be played. I mean, injuries happen and all, all that type of stuff. But it, it seems like there's still the belief out there that the AFC is the Chiefs and the Ravens, and then there's a drop between teams like the Titans and the Steelers, two teams we're going to see this week. From what you've seen so far this year, do you think the Titans deserve to be in that conversation? I mean, is the ceiling for this team the ability to win the AFC? I don't think we get that until we, we delve into November some. You know, I think you get into that point of the season and you start to see how things kind of break down. I still think, and and I guess my mind doesn't totally wrap around the whole AFC thing, because, Jimmy, we haven't won the division in 12 years. And if we're going to have a conversation about the Titans being to the point you're talking about, you got to win the division. You know, that's why winning the Houston and Jacksonville games were so important, um, being able to you know, to get after Indianapolis when the time comes is a is a huge deal. Uh, you know, I think they're there. I, I think they can be in the conversation. I think they have a chance to take that next step. I think we've got to see the defense play better. But it's an offense that can do some special things. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's there. And, and it's certainly possible. You know, there have been some years, if we were having this conversation, you'd say, well, that's crazy. Um, but I think, in truth, I think Pittsburgh's the team right now. Because, to me, they're the complete team. You know, they're the offense-defense special teams, statistically and otherwise. They've made plays in all areas. Ray-Ray McLeod's made plays in special teams for them. And they have a kicker who hasn't missed, and they've got a Colquitt as a punter. And, you know, defensively, they're giving up 66 yards per game rushing. And, you know, if you take out Miles Sanders' 74-yard run in their game against Philadelphia, they're giving up, like, 12 yards a game rushing or something. <laughs> Roethlisberger looks like Roethlisberger. And they found another Steeler receiver, another Steeler non-round one receiver in Chase Claypool. Um, I, I think they're in the conversation right now totally because of, of what they've done. But, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see what the Titans are going to do. I, I'm, I don't want to wish my life away, but I can't wait to get to week 16 in that area and see where this ball club is because I think they've got – I think they've got a chance. I really, really do. I think they've they've got a chance, and it hasn't felt like that in 12 years. Well, and as I was going to say, it, it's just fun to have a team like this. It's fun to have an organization that, that is doing so many of the right things. Um, there have been so many questions about the team on the field, the organization, all that stuff, as we've gone through the last few years. And just to be sitting here with – the organization in the state that it's in, the people that they brought in the offseason, 
the, the product on the field. It, it's just really fun to watch where they are. And like you said, you, you don't want to wish your you don't want to wish it away because there's there's so much fun that's going to happen between now and then. But there's a part of I think all of us that are ready to just, just kind of fast forward and see where they are. But it's such a good point about the division because that that's kind of the the first hurdle, right? I mean, like you said, you, you got to get that. Then you can get the home playoff game and, and all that kind of stuff. But I, it's just gonna, it's going to be fun to see how it all evolves from here. Well, it sounds like coach speak when you say it, you know, the team that makes the fusion, you know, all that stuff. And um, but, but the truth of the matter is, if you don't win the division, you don't get a home playoff game of any sort. You know, and that's going to be an even bigger deal now with seven teams in the playoffs and only one bye. So you better be in a position where you're playing at home you know, at least once, and, and you'd love to play at home twice. You know, you'd love to have that opportunity be the path because it's, you know, it's going well. Now, the 5-0 and thing bodes well. Of the 84 teams who have gone 5-0 and in the um, merger era, 76 of them have made the playoffs. So that's good, right? right. I mean, that's those are good odds. But, I, I mean... Being a division winner means you get a home playoff game. And this organization needs a home playoff game, something awful, to give itself a chance. What they tried to do last year, and, you know, what for a period of time they were pulling off with the Kansas City game, uh, I mean, it's brutal to do that. I mean, it's brutal to go to New England, to turn around and go to Baltimore, and then to go to Kansas City. I mean, that's just, that was just too much to ask. Yeah, uh, it, it's just it's going to be fun to see where this transpires and, and where they go from here. Well, Mike, I've taken enough of your time. Thanks so much for joining me. You're always so generous to do this uh, whenever I ask, and I, I really appreciate you taking the time. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on uh, on the podcast, and congratulations with all your success so far. Keep up the good work. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate it so much. So that was Mike Keith, voice of the Titans. And like I said, we really appreciate him taking the time. All right, so we remind you on the way out, Home Run Throwback, the podcast. Subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. Rate and review all those good things as well. Uh, it's a Broadway Sports Media podcast. BroadwaySportsMedia.com is the website. So much cool stuff going on there. Check it out. I promise you will not be disappointed. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at JMorrisMCM. For Mike Keith, this is Jimmy Morris saying thanks so much for listening, and we will talk to you again later this week. Brought to you by Broadway Sports Media.